Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Account Trends. We have yet another, I always say we have a special guest on the show, but I'm particularly excited about our guest today. We have Mr. Joe Woodard with us. Uh, Welcome, Joe. Uh, It's great to be here. We're we're really glad to have you. And as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Dave Bergstein, CPA, CIITP, and Alphabet Soup. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. All right. Well, uh, so we have a a unique uh, episode today. This is a, a First part to a two-part series with Joe. So Joe's been kind enough to give us a little extra of his time. Uh, and uh, so we'll get into some fun topics that Joe has prepared for us. Uh, we'll, we'll pelt him with questions and try to stump him. And then uh, we'll come back for episode two and dive deeper into that stuff. So uh, Joe, let's get right into things. Uh, you know, one of our big uh, focus areas, as you know, is the emerging trend around tax advisory. People are trying to kind of wrap their heads around that. And there's some barriers. Uh, that are, you know, are plaguing some of the folks interested in this area. And you've mentioned, you know, identity brand is is kind of one of those big areas. Uh, and I think that really aligns to, you know, what David and I hear from pros as well. Can tell us more about your perspective on that. Yes. Yeah, so that is the biggest barrier. And it has it slices from a lot of different directions. One of them is psychological. You know, am I really qualified to do beyond the scope of what I feel I'm expert at? You know, I've put my 10,000 hours in on tax prep, but do I have the 10,000 hours on tax advisory? Uh, Do I have any corporate experience in this area? And we start putting all of these psychological barriers on us that our clients don't impose upon us. Right. What the client cares about is, can you get me from A to B? However you get me there, I trust you. And I want you to get me from A to B because I trust you. So they would much rather, and if it helps you get past the psychological barrier, go in with transparency. Explain that you're branching out into a new area, but that you're going to take really good care of them and that you're going to measure success based off the outcomes, not the effort, not the time, so that you can neutralize all of that learning curve lift And then watch how fast your clients will embrace it, faster than maybe you're allowing yourself to. And with the transparency, you won't have any kind of imposter syndrome. Uh, But the the identity and branding also cuts a different way. That's That's the battle you have internally with yourself. And I can't stress enough, it's usually you being your own worst enemy on the psychological barrier because the clients know you, like you, trust you, and are willing to take the ride with you, especially if they're good clients. And long-term clients, where it cuts also very deeply is the brand of the practice, right? You're known for producing tax returns and you're really good at it. You may even be known for being really good at handling uh, the issues that arise throughout the year, sales tax notices, intent to levy and lien and all that. You might, you might really know how to map the IRS maze or at least know how to stay on hold and tune out the hold music or whatever it is you have to do, you might even be pretty good at representation, right? But when you start talking about advisory, 
it starts to get outside the not not just your own internal expertise, which you can learn, but about what your what your firm is known for. And it starts to feel twofold. I have a massive shift I have to take in the way I present my firm to the market. Is it really worth it? And second, will anybody ever actually embrace me? You know, I'm Hertz rental car. Are they really going to come to me uh, for an Uber ride? I mean, is it that they're both cars, but is my product not this product and can it ever be right um, now, the, 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 each, all of these hurdles are surmountable, but you asked me what the barrier was. And I just <laughs> drilled down on the barrier, the internal psychological identity, the external firm identity, both have to be overcome. If you're going to lean into this in a scaled way that actually changes the game. So let me ask you a question, Joe, as a tax preparer, a CPA could be an enrolled agent. It doesn't matter. You know, you're right. The client has trust in me getting from A to Z and preparing a tax return. Is it up to the individual practitioners to turn around and be proactive in saying, hey, you know, we've done the return, but there's a lot more we can do for you. We can find ways to mitigate some of these tax circumstances if we do more advisory services. Is, is that what you really addressing, making the uh, preparer be more proactive? Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that because if you could overcome the identity and brand barrier, which by the way, if you can't, all these other barriers fall below, you know, on the other side of that one, you've got to overcome the first one before you can even start dealing with the others. It's the headwaters problem. But let's say that you can get past that, or even that you're willing to plow past that. You're right. You're setting yourself up for failure, David. It's the classic false negative situation. If you build the skill set, if you decide to take the move, you join the right organizations like the American Institute of Certified Tax Planners, which is part of a larger puzzle of advisory. You, you do all those right steps and, um, and you get all the right tools in place and you take the right uh, CPE and then you never introduce it to your client. Um, and there's so many reasons why we we aren't as intentional as we want to be or need to be. But the the main reason is the, uh, psychological again in in twofold. One of them is fear. We fear that the client is going to reject us. We don't have to worry as much about are they going to reject us on next year's tax return. We we send them out. The, we send out the organizer. They don't fill it out. We do the tax return, rinse and repeat. So that's just the well, way they it might goes. reject the bill, but well, I might that, reject but. the bill, but I'm not going <laughs> to reject the tax return, right? So, but but now all of a sudden we're presenting something, and and the trepidation kicks in, um, and and particularly this fear factor exists, I believe, in teenage boys more than teenage girls. At least it did with this teenage boy. It's the same level of trepidation as trying to ask that girl out on a date, right? And what you do is you build it up in your mind that that my life will fall apart if she doesn't say yes, right? And so you build it up in your mind to the point where it's such a success, a pass-fail grade psychologically for you, an indictment of your whole ability to embrace the model if the client says no. It's a rejection of me. It's not a rejection of the engagement. And all of the, the sales psychology that most accountants haven't had to endure like other industries and haven't had to barrel through like other industries um, that we're still subjected to. But there's another element to intentionality, not just the fear factor, 
and by the way, the, the way to overcome the fear factor is just to embrace the rejection. We 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 have a, a keynote speaker coming to Scaling New Heights. He wrote the book 100 Days of Rejection. And in his book, he tells you to go out and manufacture one rejection per day for 100 days. It could be anything. It could be going to a car lot and saying, can I have this car for $5? Just engineer a person to say no to you and to reject whatever you're saying uh, and do it for 100 days straight so you can inoculate yourself to it. it, it it's, he's been on TED. He's very, it's a very interesting concept. Anyway, we need to inoculate ourselves to this, this sting of rejection. But secondly, we need to understand the relationship dynamic with the client. I went to a parenting conference a couple of years ago, and the parenting expert said that the unintentional, or to put it in your words, David, the non-proactive parent is the parent who exists or oscillates between two realities. I live to make my child happy, and I react when my child makes me unhappy. Well, I turned to my wife in the middle of the parenting seminar, and I said, that is true of a lot of parents, and it is true of a lot of accountants, except with their clients. You know, we live to make our clients happy, and we react when our clients make us unhappy. Well, that oscillation is a relationship dynamic. Maybe, maybe, folks, it's your job to make the client a little bit uncomfortable, to make the client realize they need to be making some significant changes with the way they manage their tax liabilities, with helping the client to understand that they need to be paying quarterly and they can't just keep kicking this can and paying these interest and penalties. Telling them what they don't want to hear may be our job. Just like telling my daughter what she doesn't want to hear makes me a good parent sometimes, right? Right. And, and this, is, this is a cool concept to focus in on because I think what we're, what we're really talking about is the psychology that drives our behavior underneath all of this. And I don't think there's enough people talking about that out in our profession right now, because it's all there. It's all underlying. I don't, I don't hear people necessarily tell me I'm scared to death, but you hear it in the ways that they, they respond to, you know, how they, they serve their clients and what they expect their clients are going to say. My clients aren't going to do that. Right. I'll tell people, uh, I remember in a virtual conference just recently, I was suggesting, you know, Hey, standardize your processes. It is okay for you to dictate how your clients do business with you. When you walk into a restaurant and it says, please wait to be seated. You don't just go sit wherever you want. You wait to be seated because that's how the restaurant has designed itself to serve you in the most effective, efficient way. And so let, but, but if you just, if it's, you know, pandemonium, you know, if there's, if you're not a steak place and, and the client sits down and orders steak, you're not going to run over to Costco or Walmart or whatever and go buy a steak and cook it for them. That's not how a restaurant works. And, and it's all in service to delivering on the, the brand that you want to put forward and being intentional about that. But, but as I hear people say, well, I can't do that. My clients won't do it. I'll lose clients. You know, maybe but maybe not. Maybe what they need is structure and kind of coming back to your parenting example, right? How do you go from that, that relationship dynamic of people pleasing and reacting to unhappiness to intentionality? So what are your thoughts there? Well, the, the bridge is made by being willing to have the client walk away. That's straight Patrick Lencioni in his three fears of advisory um, he says that the, that giving yourself the freedom to have your client walk away is the inoculator for the fear of losing the business. So, I mean, I know that sounds simple, 
right? Of course, that's the answer. The, the getting there though is 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 about a mindset. It's about that my practice exists to deliver a product that has an impact. My practice doesn't exist to keep this client, then this client, then this client, because if it, your entire paradigm's inverted, if that's the case. So the second thing is you, you hit the nail on the head, Jason, is to understand that they don't walk away as often as we think they're going to walk away, right? And by the way, everything we're talking about here not only applies to proactive services, it also applies to price, all right? We, we just assume that they're going to walk away if we charge what we know that this tax return is worth. Well, they might, they might not. Do it in a measured way, which is another inoculator. Don't do it like to 100% of your clients. If you don't fill out your tax organizer, we're firing you. No, that's that, that'll destabilize your practice, right? Do it methodically, systematically, right? Identify like the Pareto principle, the 20% that are making you the 80% of the overall value or the 80% that fit, the 20% that fit 80% of your direction. Um, however, you do the 80-20 principle and then start with the 20% where you could take it or leave it anyway, experiment on those guys. How many people stay? What's the price point they'll tolerate? Um, will they adopt advisory or not? Did adoption of advisory turn them into one of the people that's in my top echelon? Uh, per the per the Pareto principle, so um, there are ways to to ease yourself into this pool to mitigate risk as you go, get learnings as you go. But I can't stress enough: you have to not worry about each individual incident and the feelings of rejection and the negative emotions and all of that that come with this experimental process. Another way to address your question, Jason, is to redefine. Um, the nature of an uncomfortable conversation, whether it's conflict, confrontation, giving people news they don't want to hear, whatever it may be, um, those are positive. If they're framed right, right, the assumption here is this is a good experience. They are positive experiences with a momentary wake of negative emotion, W-A-K-E. They're positive experiences with a momentary wake of negative emotion. The problem is we equate the momentary negative emotion with the definition or the qualification of the meeting. Once we break that, we understand they're not the same thing. We'll tell our clients what they need to hear. So so assuming everyone believes what we're all saying, and I, I think people agree we're saying the right things, how do you tell them or where do you... Tell them to go besides uh, different associations to get those skills. They all have those skills. They possess it. They have the knowledge. How can we help them? Or how can you help them? What are you telling them to do to overcome it besides go get 100 rejections or change your service? Where can you <laughs> get the process in place? And I do believe in any business return, everything starts with CAS. So we keep talking CAS, client accounting services, but every business return starts with that, but individual returns don't. So yeah, so, you, so you just answered you just answered part of the question for me. I would say if you if you want the pathway now to being able to execute with excellence, um, I, I'm I'm going to say not everybody listening today actually knows what to do. All right, they may know some of what to do, but there is a learning curve in order to round off your knowledge. I'm not saying you're not an expert in the compliance elements of this particular corporate entity or that particular individual return or filing in this particular state. You may be. But there's, of course, a big difference between the compliance elements, software excellence in the preparation software, and strategic advisory. Because I'm finding, and you guys could tell me if you see it too, 
a huge knowledge delta between accurate and audit-proof tax returns and maximizing tax credits. Right. And tax credits is an, a knowledge gap that the industry needs to lean into. Uh, so that's a big piece of it. Uh, advisory, excuse me. Advisory is the credit, so that's a big piece of it. Advisory is also about purchasing decisions, lease or buy, depreciation uh, schedules, and maximizing depreciation benefits, short-term, long-term, um, carry forward losses, carry back losses, and how to manage those. And I could go on and on, but it's all of those discretionary levers that you have the ability to pull that that aren't dictated to you exactly by the by the tax code so that you're operating within the boundaries of the tax code but but in proactive ways and i think that really is is the difference here or yes. am i calculating based off of what the schedules say or the software says or am i making decisions that change it that change what happens in the bottom line of the tax return the latter is advisory and the latter is where the biggest knowledge gap exists and unfortunately, there are fewer places to go to get that knowledge. They exist, but there are fewer of them because it's a supply-demand problem. Until the industry, the tax preparation industry, starts to demand more education in this area, the training providers aren't going to provide it. And that's an excellent example. You, you, you've hopped on credits, and I believe that's one of the best areas for tax advisory services. We project, based on what happened last year, like you say, for quarterlies, but it really comes down to instead of planning and projecting to look for opportunities to help the client save more money by asking them questions, what they want to do with their business. How do they want to grow their business? Uh, I, I see you uh, been leasing the car. Maybe you should buy the car or is your car over 6,000 pounds because you can write it off quickly. And one of the things we had Randy Crabtree on one of our sessions, uh, he's with TriMerit and he believes and I think you're saying the same thing. He believes in educating accountants about credits. As accountants, we can't know everything, but that's where we lean into your type of an organization or someone else that's educating us that we can go out and use them. Sole practitioners, doesn't have to be a large firm. The resources are there if you're willing to learn. And I think that's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, uh, and that's the way that you can avoid uh, tax liabilities that you don't deserve to pay. Um, it, it's just a strategic navigation of the options that are out there. And I'll throw in some others. You know, does your company need a 401k plan, cafeteria plan? Are you at the place now where that'll provide a net benefit to you uh, with your tax liability based off your corporate structure, based off your individual tax returns, your, your AGI? There are so many variables in play, right? That's why you need an advisor. And, um, and so, and then of course, in the personal space, we've been talking a lot about corporate in the personal space, um, the fastest pathway to advisory is through the CFP, Certified Financial Planner, because now you can start to marry a lot of these tax strategies together with retirement plans, tax impacts, um, and, and credits that exist on the personal level. And then some of this is even just discretionary. It may not change your liability, but it may help you to direct your taxes into um, areas that are more important to you. It could be a psychological or emotional benefit. For example, in the state of Georgia, um, they have a program where I can take 100% at my income level, which is not inconsiderable. I can take 100% of my Georgia liability and redirect it to a specific private school of my choice if, uh, and, and under the program, it's not an if, it's under the program, 
the the private school must offer a scholarship to someone who otherwise can't afford to go to that school. So um, I gave mine to my daughter's private school, so I pay tuition, and now I support a scholarship program for people who don't have the income level that we have, and that provides uh, amazing diversity in what would otherwise be a lily white school. I'm passionate about that, Mm -hmm. and I would rather direct my state income tax liability to that, and they let me. Well, How many people don't know that that may exist in their state? I didn't, and I was just about to comment on that because- you know that because you're in this profession, right? You you learn about this stuff. You just naturally catch wind of it. But my CPA was not the one that told me. Oh, yeah? I love my CPA, but they're not the one that told me about that. Who was? Um, I, like you say, I found out about it because you I'm just, of the yeah, industry. But that it. just drives the point home. Why right. wasn't it my CPA? Right, right. And it's because your CPA, more than likely, I'm not, I don't know anything about your relationship with them, but I love my CPA, by the way. He's great. But this is, I'm just trying to drive the point home. This is where education comes in. CPAs have to constantly stay updated, whether you're listening to NATP, AICPA, or whatever it is. We're in a world of continuous change, continuous law change, and you must stay current. And the key thing you said, it's not just the federal laws, the state laws provide a lot of opportunity. And you got to mingle and know who to network with to find out what's out there. Right. Yeah. And then I'll even say, getting back to telling what they don't want to hear, maybe they should be filing an income tax return corporately or personally in another state. And the longer they, they, they wait, the more exposure they have, the more risk they have. And we just don't want to break the bad news to them. I mean, come on. That that's almost malpractice, right? It's borderline <laughs> malpractice, and you, maybe you're arguing that it's discretionary or right. They're right on the edge, or you know. But I, I, you get my point. This is this is the whole element of proactivity and knowledge gap that we've been addressing after they cross the identity barrier that says I'm going to do more than just record what happened. I am going to proactively change what's going to happen. Right, and I want to dig more into the identity stuff in the next episode, get deeper into the psychology, but I want to come back to, you know, kind of the, the points around like, you know, the purchasing of a vehicle and the, the navigating of the tax stuff. Right. And the, 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 the thing that I think, you know, and we harp on it all the time when we talk about advisory services, generally speaking, is changing the dynamic of the relationship intentionally. The reason, you know, I, I, I'll be willing to bet, you know, 80, 90% of our listeners can relate to this. How many of you found out about major purchases or changes that clients made in their businesses at tax time, right? And it drives drives us all nuts. It's like, why didn't you call me? I could have advised you. And they're like, I know I could have called you, but I didn't want to bother you, you know? And they think of you as, quote, just a tax preparer, just a bookkeeper, just a CPA. And that's just simply not who you are. Right. Who you are is an advisor. You are like the doctors of our financial health profession. And you have to structure the relationship in such a way that you almost, you force the clients to have regular communication with you. With you. And that's where we get into changing the billing model. We've got to move away from these hourly billing models and start leaning into subscription-based models. Thank you for saying the S word. Because <laughs> because everybody says move away from hourly and go to flat. No, 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 no. no. Move away from hourly and go to subscription, which is another one of the barriers that I talk about to advisory. Jason, you nailed it. When they call and say, I don't want to, 
bother you. What they mean is I don't want to pay you, right? I don't want you to send me an invoice. And it's the same reason they hold on to a notice from the IRS or from their state until it gets to the lien or levy phase because they're trying to defer Mm -hmm. that bill that you're going to send them to handle the issue. And that manufactures our entire way we bill, even if it's flat, you know, whatever it is, 400, 500 bucks per issue we handle. It doesn't matter if it's flat. It's still a new charge. And therefore, they're going to defer that out. They're going to manufacture an emergency. They're going to send it to us when we have to deal with it. You know, we're on vacation and we get mad at the client. Why didn't you send this to me the first three times they send it to you? They won't give you the real answer. The real answer is, I didn't want to pay you back then. Um, So whether it's advisory, whether it's notice handling, whether it's uh, trying to to, uh, get advice before a transaction occurs, which is a form of advisory, whether it's trying to get the client to sit for a quarterly meeting. Because right now the, the model is try to sell them a tax planning engagement, you know, somewhere between tax returns and they'll never buy because again, they right. want to spend new money. So so the subscription model, Jason, I'm so glad you said that. The subscription model inoculates this whole problem. And the way I tell people to do it, because everybody's always concerned about going upside down or what if the tax return bubble happens in the middle of the subscription and then they go off the radar and they charge back or whatever. So what you do is you start the subscription year the the very month that you file last year's return. So they pay for last year's return. You sell them a subscription that starts right then for the next 12, right? Mm-hmm. And then the tax return is always going to be, provided that their you know, extension schedule is about the same, the, 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 and typically they extend pretty much in the same pattern. Um, their their tax return is always going to be at the very back end of the subscription year after you've collected all the money. But between now and the end of that subscription year, you've bundled into a multiple tier structure. At level one, we'll handle two issues a year and we'll have one mid-year tax analysis meeting. At level two, we'll meet quarterly and we'll handle five issues. Mm-hmm. You know, And you just keep stair-stepping it up uh, to, to larger and larger monthly packages. Now, my CPA may listen to your podcast. He listens to one of the ones that when I did Soul of Enterprise with Ron, and he heard me say this. He's already heard me say this <laughs> once, and he still hasn't done it. So if you're listening, <laughs> Joe Woodard CPA, I want you to listen to me because I can make you more money. Right now, I pay my CPA somewhere in the range of about $5,000 a year for my, my corporate and personal tax return. It's right in that range. I would gladly pay around $700 a month if he put me on a subscription mm-hmm. and add value. Now, you're, you're hearing me, Joe Woodard, CPA, <laughs> right? Because you haven't taken me up on this offer yet. Um, I would gladly do it if it came with additional advisory value, which, by the way, is going to be no actual strong lift because knowledge work is very light lift. So, it's going to take very little of his capacity to deliver against that additional value to get that account upgrade. So I love the personal uh, example there, Joe, uh, of, of being the client's perspective. And I think that's really good um, to share with the listeners and, and be kind of thinking like this is this is how the cl- the types of clients that you really want probably are are like, you know, are like this. They They want this. They may not realize they want it. They may not they may not say they want it, but they they. Typically do. So, uh, Joe, in the in between episodes of we released part two, what uh, where can people go to learn more from you? 
Yeah, go to Woodard.com and check out everything at that single place, mylastname.com. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch up with us next time as we uh, continue the conversation with Joe in part two. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2022.